We find in this text of Mark chapter 12, I'm not going to take a long, long time today. We find in this text that um, here, here is a conversation that's being had, and they're trying, to be honest with you, to try to, to, to catch Jesus in a, in a bit of a, um, a statement that maybe wouldn't carry weight um, among those who were the legalistic um, types of, of that time. They, they began to ask him about the resurrection. They, they, we find even if you want to go back in your Bible to Mark chapter 12, and you want to look in, like, beginning in really in verse 18, the Sadducees uh, were exactly that. They, they, they lived this bit of a sad, sad life. Uh, they lived a life where they didn't believe they didn't believe in much of the hope that you and I have. There was very, very little hope. Let me just tell you right now, if someone's got no hope, they've got no, no peace, no joy. So, so many times you say, well, these people aren't happy. Well, no, the reason why they're not happy, that comes from something. That's a reaction from something. So oftentimes that's because they've lost hope. They've lost hope in their lives. They lost hope in, in, in the, the, they feel like they've made too many mistakes. They feel like they've... Uh, I've done too many people wrong, but let me just tell you real fast, this is the place of hope. Let me, just, let me just throw this out there to say to you right now, this is a place of hope. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what situations you have. I don't care, I don't care if, if, if you don't have some fine suit coat that makes you know, somebody else feel they're very, very spiritual. You get to come in this place and realize when you walk in this place and say, Lord, I've got nothing to offer except for shame and fear and worry and all the things I don't have. I, I don't have anything to offer. Let me tell you right now, you are in a place of hope where things can change, things can shift, things can happen, things can move. Just a few weeks ago, I was so thankful at the end of the service that after many had already gone, and I don't want to pick on him, but one more time, this will be the last time at least for six days, Joe, but Joe came up and said, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name, and I said, well, do you understand it all? And he stood right there in this place, and I said, well, here's what I want to tell you. When you come into this place, you might be plagued with sin and might be plagued with the past, but we believe, we believe the Word of God is for us today, and Peter, who was standing near, Matthew, met when Matthew said, go ye therefore and preach them and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That same Peter who was nearby said, I know the name of that one right there. And he goes on the day of Pentecost and he preaches a message of hope. He preaches Jesus and him crucified. He preaches about a man who came. He preaches about one who came to break the curse of sin. And then they said, how do we have it? And he said, repent and be baptized everyone, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I said, Joe, are you ready for that? I said, are you ready that you can know now the old man, everything you used to be, everything you were, all the hold that those things had, they are gone once you go down in the water and we pray and speak the name of Jesus over you. And he said, I can't wait. All of a sudden, the emotion came on him. Why? That wasn't the emotion of nerves. It wasn't the emotion of fear. It was the emotion of hope that you're telling me I can live again. I can breathe again. I can get up, get up, 
up out of that grave and know that I have a future. I've got a future. Let me tell all the sads you see in the building that I've got a future. Let me tell all those that are naysayers, I've got a future. Let me tell all those that are critics, I've got a future. Let me tell all those that say it's not going to happen. Let me speak to you right now and tell you that I have a future in the Word of God. I've got a future. I've got a future, and I'm speaking right now from my heart more than anything else to let you know there is hope. They came and they said, what about it? Teacher, tell us about this. What about it if you took a wife and now you're gone? What's going to happen when we get to heaven? They're trying to find him speaking about things that seem far-fetched. They, they, they seem so um, um, as if they could make it this way, seem ignorant from the, from the teacher's mouth. And the Lord said to them, are you not there for mistake? because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. You, you see, you don't have hope. You're not allowing hope to go through your life. If you've got no hope, you've got no power. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead, they, that they rise. Have you read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham. Him, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. He said, you are therefore greatly mistaken. He's speaking to them and saying that you can't understand it because you can't have hope in it. And if you don't have hope in it, then you're not going to get there. And that's not just a word for Mark 12. That's a word for today. If you don't hope what we're doing matters, then you won't see what we're doing as mattering. If you don't hope that the things we're doing to try to love and to try to care. If you don't hope they're working, then you're going to say, oh, it's not working. But rather, if you have hope, then every snotty nose that walks through the doors, you're going to say, God's going to do a work. If you have hope, then every tired eye that walks through the doors, you're going to say, God, God, you're going to work it out. If you have hope, every meal that's ever fed in the fellowship hall, you will say, this matters. This matters. This matters. This matters. This matters. This matters. Why? Because I've got hope. Just, let me just crowd the saints just for a moment. On Thursday night, I got to walk in and we had a lower number in CR. It's been a lower number, number in CR. Why don't we just call it quits? Why don't we just take everything and all that we've done and say it's done only because we have two or three? That's what the, that's what the Sadducee would say. But rather, I live in a place of hope. I live in a place where things change. So when I walk in, I say, oh my goodness, we have two or three here. We have two or three that we're not before. Walking in knowing what? They now have hope. They can recover. And addiction can be gone. You've got to have the understanding that you cannot live this life fully if you do not fully live in hope. Scribes begin to question this, this, this behavior. They begin to ask things. This is in this text, it's the only place where the Sadducees are mentioned. Uh, this group accepted the law, but they, they did not have much outside of what they could not maybe weigh uh, uh, to the first five books of, 
of the, of, of, of the Bible, they, they would say, well, it's got to it's gotta be resident in here. So when Jesus came and began to speak life and began to speak hope, they, they couldn't really figure it all out. They didn't have much about the existence of life after. They didn't really look and see as, uh, people as having souls. They struggle with these things. They didn't understand the resurrection. So they're looking and talking about the resurrection as if, what are you talking about? How could you go to that place? What, what do you mean by this? They had... The, 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 the bottom line is they had no hope. They lacked hope. You find, if I can just, again, pause for a moment. What I find in the, in the Gospels is anybody who came at Jesus as a critic, they were people that didn't have hope. Anybody that came at him as a critic, somebody who came at him trying to uphold the way it's always been, I think you know what I'm saying. You want the same results? Do it the same way you've always done it. You just say it. But those that came to Jesus as a critic, they, they lacked hope. And when did hope die? When is there a moment in your life where you say, I, I, I don't have the hope for something to change? What's the key to that, I think we find that. I think we find that right here. There's one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning, this is verse 28, together perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Trying their best to get him caught in something, trying their best to get him figured out. And, and, and here he, Jesus answers and says this, the first of all the commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, uh, our Lord our God. Uh, the Lord is one, and you shall love, here we go, the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is a big statement. So, so everyone that needs to hear this needs to know this is a statement from Jesus Himself. This is not a statement from Paul 1 and 4. This is not a statement from anything else. This is a statement from Jesus. That Jesus makes a very clear statement. He says that you must know that the Lord our God is one. What do they mean by that? That Israel had the belief that the Lord is one. That God's people had the belief that he is in all, through all. He is, he is, he is. They had many beliefs back then. Some believed the hills meant that there was a God of hills. The water meant there was a God of water. Some erected statues as God. But the Lord, the Lord needed to be worshipped and praised as the one in all and through all. And so we find here that Jesus is speaking this. And then he goes on a little bit farther. And he says, you must love. You've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart. But yet the second is not less than the first. The second is not 
less. There is one and one right beside each other. You've got to love God. You've got to love him with all your heart. You've got to give him everything you can give him. You've got to have full affection. But not just that. Is you got to understand that you must love your neighbor. You've got to love the person beside you. You've got to love those you do life with. You've got to love those that are near you. You've got to love those that you just meet. You've got to love those that have the same last name. And you've got to love those that have not the same skin color. You've got to love your neighbor. You've got to, you don't love your neighbor because if you love the Lord and you know he's one, but you don't love your neighbor, then you're missing out on something. If you know he's one, but you love it your way and you don't love him with everything you've got, then you're missing out on something. But you've got to love and love with everything you have. It's got to be everything you have. It's got to be, you got to know when the, when the scribe says, what's your best commandment? What's the best thing you've got? I wonder what the answer of some of us would be. We would give him all kinds of answers. We would lay down things. I've got friends talking about the fourth ram of prayer that haven't talked to anybody that doesn't look like them in years. You can have the fourth ram of prayer. I just want to love God and I want to go where he called me to. I've got people who bicker and argue about the end times. I don't find where he says, you got to get the seven goats of the east side shore figured out. No, I don't find that in the Word of God. But what I do find is you got to love God with everything you've got. And you got to love your neighbor with everything you've got. And these things matter the most. These things matter the most. you got to get this figured out. I don't find... I'm going to say it very plainly because I'm not going to hold back today. I, I'm, I'm trying to get us through something. I don't find what the Lord said. Separate those that have beers with those that don't. Some of you are going to be upset I said that. But I'm going to say it today. Why? Because I feel and move right now to speak to some things to the body of the church. We're going to move forward. We're going to know right now. And I, I feel the hesitation right now. Don't worry. I feel a little resistance right now. But when I look at this, I don't find that you've got to do No, I find you got to love with everything you've got. God. You got to love with everything you've got. You got to love with everything you got. If you have concerns, have concerns and love. If you have fear, have fear and love. But you've got to love God first. You got to love God first. I don't want you to think anything that other than what I'm saying right now. But what I'm telling you right, right this very second is that we cannot be held up with anything that's not the love of God. We've got to know that we're going to love. We're going to love. Yes, yes, yes. I believe in separation. Yes, I believe that we are to be separate. We can find that. We can find that you don't have an ox plowing with a donkey. They have different behaviors. They have different workloads. They have different things that they are thinking in the moment. So we've got to be careful. Yes, I believe there's got to be separation. Don't misunderstand me. But I also believe in the world. Of God, and we talked about it not long ago. You cannot take away, nor can you add to. So you've got to operate in love. You've got to do that. But if you talk about anything that's not coming from a place of love, then you've already you've already taken away your conversation. 
So the scribe comes and he's trying to catch him up. The scribe, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the C's, all the stuff, all the people, the rich people is what they were. They were the rich learned people. They were the ones that had been in the church the longest, so they thought. They were the ones that went out to the front to pray. They would go out and they would stand in front of the way and they would, they would take all the things. And they would stand in front of the temple and then they would walk back in. They would shut it down and they would close up shop and they wouldn't pray anymore. No, no, that, that, that's, that's, what, that's what the Lord was dealing with. That's what the Lord was dealing with. He wasn't dealing so much with people who were good, doing good in the darkness. He wasn't dealing with people who were doing good when no one was looking. He wasn't dealing with people who were doing good when no one was there to applaud. No, they had to have an applause. That's why he said that if that's what you're looking for, you're going to have it. You're going to have it here on earth, but you won't have it there. And the reason why is because their motivation was for self-admiration. Their motivation was not for love. Their motivation was was not because I love my neighbor and I love my God. That was not what it was for, but however I've come to stir us a little bit today to tell you that if your motivation today and your desire, and I believe we have we have such a great church of people who love God with everything they've got. You've exemplified that. You've done that, but let me now encourage you to go to the next place to say, Lord, there's nothing there's nothing that's going to stop me from seeing you you do what you want to do. I want to see it, God. So he says, what is it? And he says, oh, here's what it is. Love. Know who he is. Love him. And now go a little farther. It goes hand in hand. Love your neighbor. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth. Now here's a moment where where the commentary would state that, that there was a shifting in the heart of the scribe. The scribe thought he could get evidence that they could use against Jesus. But when Jesus answered the way he did, the scribe was moved. Things began to shift. He said, that's a good answer. You've spoken truth. There's one God and there's no other but he. And, and, and to love him with all uh, the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, yeah, and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as, a, as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings, all the things that we do, it's more important. Let me just tell you real fast, if you do the sacrifices and the burnt offerings without love, you're just burning things. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now. It's like, if we get caught up in our things, it's like I was there one time in, in South Florida and I got asked to come preach. They said, now listen, we're going to have a guy come and he's going he's to bring a lot of people in and at the end of your message, he's going to come to an altar call. And this guy had... Previously being disqualified for marriage, we didn't have the internet like we do now. I could have done one search back then, and I could have found out everything about him. But the pastor, I, I, I said, man, I, I, I guess that's fine. And I'll be honest with you, we packed out the building. You know, how do we pack out the building? Because this guy went and told everybody, we're going to give you Apple iPods and these nice bikes. He put them on, on a flyer that, where they looked like they were the best things. When they got to the church, they were like the broke-down version. They were the Timu version of all these things. It was not the good stuff. And the only way they could receive those things is they walked around the church and made their way to the baptismal tank. And on the way out, they walked out the other side. And I said, no, this isn't right. And I went up and I got it. There was a bunch of people in the front area. And they looked scared out of the mind. I got them up and I walked them out. I said, listen, if you'll give this pastor another chance, this is not the way this church usually operates. I said, but I want to give you an exit door out to the side because this is not baptism. 
coercing people into, and fooling them into getting baptized so they can win an Apple iPod. And so I sat there and I watched it. He was giving them gummy snacks at 3 a.m., getting them soaking wet, telling everybody we baptized. Half the people were drunk. They woke up thinking, I knew I had a good time last night, but where did I go swimming? They didn't know what happened. They didn't understand it. So that's why we do our best. When you're baptized in this place, we want you to understand it. We do our best right here. If it's a quick decision, we want you to know here's what you're deciding to do. You are taking on the, and, and applying the blood of Jesus in your life. We're going to repent together. We're going to pray together. We're going to let that power of God begin to do something as you bury that old man and come back to life. You're getting rid of the old ways. We want you to understand it. So, so we've got to be careful not to just coerce and not to just force, but we've got to know that the it's got to be in love. It's got to be in love. If I do all the other stuff and it's not coming from a place of love, then I'm just going through the motions. But if I yet have love, I've got love. We had a scare this week. I won't go in details because I don't want to be out of place. But we thought we maybe had lost some of our, some of our kids this week. And, our, and we had a whole crew of people that were so moved and so worked up because of that. Thankfully, that we got the information uh, uh, situated. But I called, I called Sister Sheila to tell her. I said, Sister Sheila, what I want to tell you right now is what you do on Wednesdays matters. What you do on Wednesdays matters. I know you get up early and leave, leave the house early after you pick up Amari and you come into this place and you drive all the way to the church and you, you get the food ready and Sister Brenda and Brother David and the Mosses and Brother Patton and Sister, Sister Betty, they all come and the others that are coming inside. I thank you so much, you and Carl coming afterwards and no one has to worry anymore because they go after and every Wednesday and every Sunday that we have a meal they go and they make sure it's perfect let me tell you right now it matters but here's the thing I want you to know the reason why it's effective is because it's being done in love it's being done in love I'll remind you right now of some of the kids that had to move to Alabama that one had had four burgers already and I went as he went to get one more burger and I said hold up and Sister Sheila and she can say it to me some of you better be careful but she can say it to me she said don't don't you touch him and don't you say a word. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I found out with tears in her eyes. He's not had a bite to eat all week. And that's the only thing he's had. If he wants 10 cheeseburgers, let him have 10 cheeseburgers. I said, yes, ma'am. And that boy began to eat again. He, he got all he could get. But the reason why it's working is because it's done in love. It's done in love. I hope, I hope I'm understood this morning. I hope I'm not confused and I hope no one's upset at me. But here's the reality. If you're upset at me and I've spoken a word in love, then, then your feelings are on you. I don't know how else to say it. We're all, we're all grown-ups here for the most part. John 21 and 15, I'm hurrying to a close. This is a moment, that one of my favorite, favorite verses of Scripture. It's a moment where Jesus has now come back and he's revealing himself for one of the few times that he does after his death. They have a meal by the sea and, and now Jesus comes back and faces a Simon Peter who has denied him. Simon Peter probably is feeling the weight of that denial. It's feeling the burden of that denial. And after it's all said and done, they go back. Jesus is gone, so they go back to fishing. Why is that? The reason why this happens is they lost their hope. Does this make sense to you at all right now? Their hope was gone, and so they go back to just falling into the same thing they've always done. 
When you lose hope, you don't gain ground. When you lose hope, you don't make advancements. When you lose hope, nothing changes. You just... Jesus appears to them. John is recording this in his book, one of my favorite passages, and I preached and preached this, this right here so many times. Raymond Woodward, because of the times, preached a message that I want to show eventually. We'll show you when we get our larger screen installed. But he preaches a message and begins to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, begins to talk about the ages of the disciples and how, how it, it, it was very likely that most of these young disciples were 13 and 14 years old, some even 12. Sounds, it sounds crazy, but when Jesus takes him into the temple, he even looks at, he looks at John, I'm sorry, he looks at Peter and says, go and I want you to collect a coin, give Caesar what Caesar's, but I'll, here's, take this coin and, and here's why. They had to pay their tax to go into the temple, but everybody else was underage, so they got to go in for free. It's mind-boggling when you look at it. And that's why Simon Peter, who was probably about 21, 22 years old, he's looking around all the time and thinking, man, these kids are getting on my nerves. They're driving me crazy. You got one over there. John's probably the youngest one. John just won't settle down. John's just going like crazy. And John's looking at Simon Peter trying to learn from him. But he's also picking on him. He won't stop. And he's always listening in. He's always leaning over. And here we have this right here where John's saying, man, can I just get a break from these guys? And the Lord began to speak to him. And and then when they they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. Goes on a little bit farther. Says then, okay, feed my lambs. What is that? Feed my lambs is a euphemism for saying, take care of my people. He wasn't talking about his, Jesus wasn't talking about his stock, his livestock he had at home. He was saying, if you love me, then you won't be a churchgoer. But you'll love people. Does that make sense? If you love me, you won't fall into the category of a Pharisee, Sadducee, or a scribe. We've got enough of those. You'll just love me. If you love me, you'll love my people. He goes a little farther. He says unto him a second time. He says this, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he says, now don't forget, he's talking to probably a frustrated Simon Peter because John, the young one, is recording all this and He's worn down. He feels as if he's made mistakes. They've already been, they've already, you can find on Luke where they've already had conversation one-on-one. So what Jesus is doing here is he's dealt with him in private over what he did. But now he's restoring him in public. He's being, he's saying, I know, I know all of them are watching. There's a reason why, but I need to get something straight with you in front of all of them. I need them to hear it. If you love me, then feed my sheep. He said then to him a third time, Simon, 
Son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved this time. Peter now, thought, I thought we had gotten through this. I thought we were already at the place we needed to be. What about that? What about the conversation we had? He said to him a third time, lovest thou me? He was tormented by that. And he said unto him, Lord, and, he, and here's what I believe, that Simon Peter realizes something, that you see beyond what I thought you could see. You see more. He said, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. You see the struggle I'm having. You see the, you see I, I feel the disappointment. You see that I feel the weights of my mistakes. You see that I feel like I've, I've messed up here or there. You see the frustration of all these. And I'm spending my time on all these. And I think the Lord is probably saying, your time and your energy has been spent on all these other things. And now you're out here fishing. You're out here doing these things. I spent all the time I spent with you and I tried to teach you everything I could. And now you've gone right back out to the boat to do the things you used to do. Why? Because you've lost your hope. And he's saying to him, if you love me, then you'll feed my sheep. This changes a little bit because what he's saying now, he goes from the agape love the first two times. And now he's saying, do you filio me? In other words, that filio oftentimes means will you do it even when you don't feel like it? Will you do it when it doesn't, when it doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel natural to you? Will you do it when, what he's meaning by that is there's moments in your relationships and in your relationship with God where you say, I just don't feel like it today. But you've got to have such a love that takes you above your feelings to say that I love him more than my feelings tell me I love him. I want to serve him more than my feelings tell me I don't. I want to give him everything I've got. And so he says that. He says, then feed my sheep. Take care of my people. You see what he's telling him. If you love me, then you'll take care of my people. If you love me, then you'll love your neighbor. If you love me, then you'll love those that are close to you. If you love me, then you won't keep scoring me a critic. If you love me, then you will love with everything you've got. But you cannot forsake love. Finally, my last scripture today is 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. 1 Corinthians 13 and 13 lays it out this way. Now abide in faith. Hope and charity, or if I can sit this way, love. These three, but the greatest. What does he mean by that? Why would he say that? Why, why would he speak that this is the greatest? You, well, I believe you've got to have faith. Faith is necessary for, for, for salvation. Hope is necessary, I believe, for your walk with God to continue on. I've got hope and glory. I've got hope of streets of gold. I've got hope that I'll see family members who have gone on before me. I've got hope. I've got hope in all these things. But here's the thing I want you to get. If you lose love, then you'll lose faith and you'll lose hope. If you lose that, you're going to lose those. So that's why he came down and said, said to the disciples and spoke a word in front of the disciples while dealing with the, the leader of the pack. He said, Simon, do you love me? He didn't say, do you have faith in me? He didn't say, do you hope in me? He said, do you love me? Why? Why would he say that? Because he knew that if I can get your love going, I can get your faith going. If I can get your love going, I can get your hope going. If I can get you to love people, if I can get you, I wish somebody would hear me right now. If I can get you to love people. If I can get you to love with everything you've got, 
If I can get you to love beyond your hurt and your pain, if I can get you to love beyond your worry, if I can get you to love, your bitterness will go away. If I can get you to love, your hurt will go away. If I can get you to love, you'll know that sometimes I can handle the palace, but can you handle the spear that's being thrown at you by Saul? David, I need you to know that if you can love, then you'll make it. I need you to know, Ruth, if you can love, you're going to make it. I need you to know, disciples, if you can love, if you can love, you can make it. And what I need you to know today to this great church in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, what I need you to know, what I need you to hear right now, what I need you to know is that we've done it. We've done it. We've done it. And we're going to continue doing it. But don't lose your faith and don't lose your hope. Don't lose your joy. But if you feel like it's going away, then I want you to do one thing. I want you to love him with everything you've got. I want you to love him and say, Lord, I'll give everything I've got to you. I'll give everything I have to you but not just that I'll give my love to my neighbor I'll give my love to strangers I'll give my love to those who are near Dwayne can I tell him what you told me is that alright it's one of those tough spots I might have told this I don't know if I have but Dwayne I'm so glad you're here and I, I, I promise you I try not to do these things and I'm, I'm done I'm done after this we're done but Dwayne has such a heart for these kids. Dwayne is not just an officer at the school. Dwayne loves these kids. He takes care of them. Those who don't have a father, they look up to Dwayne, to Dwayne as a father. He gives them uh, encouragement. He's there at basketball games encouraging. Every kid I watched by, walk by him the other night walked by with respect and love for him. Why? Because they're reciprocating what he's given to them. I want you to know something to these great people who responded when we first last year said we want to feed the football team. You're telling me you were going to feed the football team? Isn't that a waste of money? That's not doing anything for anybody. We're just feeding a bunch of kids. Let me tell you right now, I'm okay being known as, as the church with the best mac and cheese in the world. I'll tell you that. Because anytime I see a football player, they tell me, do y'all still got that mac and cheese? I'm like, listen, we don't have it like all the time. But yes, we got people. We got. I, I'll get my people with your people and we'll make this happen. Dwayne told me a few months ago, and again, I'm sorry, Dwayne, I'm telling something that probably was in confidence, and I love you very much. You can lock me up for a few days for doing this. Literally, you can lock me up for a few days at this local jail. He said, you know why I came back? I said, honestly, I've wondered, what, what brought you back? What, what, what brought you back? He said, you fed the kids. I said, you're telling me? He said, yeah. Let me tell you right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Dwayne. I hope I'm not breaking your trust. He said, I grew up hearing a lot about feeding people and loving people. We never did it, but you, your church, you fed the football team. There was nothing to gain from it. There was nothing you were getting out of it. Y'all just fed the kids. Got my attention on year one and then year two. I said, okay, I'm going back. Dwayne, I'm so glad you're here. You're a big part of this church. Let me tell you right now, you want to get the eyes of people around you, you feed the kids. Why is that? Because that's not the commandment from me. That's the commandment from the Lord. He said, you, you love me, then feed my sheep. No, you, if you love me, then you'll sing the way I sing. If you love me, you'll do it the way I No, that's not what he said. He said, if you love me, then you'll feed somebody. And what I mean 
by that is we have a need in this, in this community. We have a need. We have apathy. And we have hunger. When we thought we lost some kids this week, the officer told us, what you need to do is keep on doing what you're doing. And what they need is they need food. You're telling me food? Yes. They need, they need food physical food and they need spiritual food and so guess what we're going to keep packing meals we're going to keep finding a way we're going to keep feeding the kids why because it's the way that we tell him that we love him you can say it with words you can speak it all I love you and go back and do your thing or you cannot maybe mention it at all. You can come up early on a Thursday night and begin to stir up a pot of gumbo once again. You can come in one more time after a long day of work and get ready, Sean. One more time to love people, to meet them at the door with needs and hurts and hangups and worries and fears. Kyle, Kyle, you can do it one more time. Or you can get up one more time on a Wednesday and know that I've got to get my meal planned out for kids. They're going to come and say, can I have five more fish sticks? And can I have five more of this? Can I do that? And you're going to go home tired and weary. But, but, but. You're going to live out the greatest commandment of all the commandments. You're telling me that's the greatest commandment? Yes, I'm telling you more than thou shalt not murder. That's the greatest commandment. You're telling, yeah, why? Because if you get love in Him, you get all the rest. If you get love in Him, the rest come. If you get love in Him and your neighbor, you don't have to worry about the rest. If our community and our world and our nation could get figured out, that if we'll just love God and love our neighbor, we won't have any worries of all the stuff. We won't have any problems with all the things. If you love him, you get his word. If you love him, you fall in line with his word. If you love the neighbor, then you're patient and you're kind and you're loving and you live with hope that everything I do is going to change someone's life. Everything I do is going to help somebody out. I'm just giving a call right now. I'm just going to lift a call in this place, in this place today to tell you that if you need to just come one more time and just say, God, I love you with everything I've got. I love you with everything I've got and anywhere you can use me, God. Anything you can do in my life, I want to submit to you, Lord. I want to give myself fully and give myself freely to you, Lord. I pray, use me. Use me at my school. Use me at my job. Use me right here at church. Whatever it is, I pray in Jesus' name. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. In Jesus' name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. We're going to take a moment right now. We're going to let the Lord speak to us. Come on, let's just take a moment and tell him, Lord, I love you with all I've got. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Let nothing come between us and you, God. Let nothing come between what we have in you, God. Let nothing stop us, Lord. Jesus, I pray help us.